Good morning. Let's just stand and begin to worship.
songs, I've been seeing this vision of a wall. And there's a person on this side of the wall. The wall is here, and there's a person here. And all these little driblets of water are coming out of the wall. And the person is taking their fingers and their toes and trying to stop that flow coming out of the wall. And God is saying, take your fingers out and take a drink. Take your fingers out and take a drink because you just don't have enough of what it takes to stand against God pouring out his presence and his love. So I just encourage you this morning, like, take your finger out of the wall. Take your finger out of the wall. Yeah, keep singing this song. Just keep singing it. Because you know what? I don't know if it's one person or all of us, but we've got fingers in the wall and we're plugging up what God wants to do. Let him pour his love over you. Let him pour his presence over you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, come on. done yet. You are not done yet, Lord. 
Father, we may have given up on ourselves, but you will never give up on us. Lord, you will always forgive us. You will pour out your grace, your mercy, Lord. Father, we just want to be in your presence. Father, we want to sit face to face, Lord Jesus, and just be filled, be filled, be filled. God, continue working, Lord Jesus. Continue working, Lord God. We give you everything. We give you everything, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, welcome to Redeeming Love. We are so glad you're here today. Things look a little different, right? So this was a good opportunity because so many people have been coming. We needed extra chairs. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome? It's summertime. It's summertime, and we are still filling seats and making room, and we're excited to do that. We're not attached to where we sit or where we stand, but sitting is better, right? <laughs> we were getting to the place where, where we were having standing room only, so this is a blessing, and we just thank the Lord for that. Um, we are a church who believes in engaging God, engaging church, and engaging culture, and you know, that's, this is what happens when we engage culture, right? Our friends come to church. We start seeing unfamiliar faces. And, you know, for me personally, that's really hard. I'm, I'm, that's hard for me. But you know what? I rejoice in what God is doing and look forward to the people I'm going to meet and the souls that are going to be saved. So we're a church who believes in that. We're going to engage God, engage church, and engage culture, right? Right. All right. One of the ways that we engage with you is, could you just hand me an engage card? I forgot to bring mine up. Oh, thank you, Pastor. So you would have been handed one of these when you came in. This is an engage card. And on the front, we fill out as much as we can, our name, maybe an email address, a, a phone, a way to reach you. That way, if you put something on the back, we have a way of touching base with you. All right. And on the back, there's always serving teams that, you know, we need help. As God brings in the sheep, we need people who are going to feed them, clean them, serve them in all kinds of ways, from cleaning the church to doing the live feed. And we have people who will train you. So if you're interested in something, please check the box and um, somebody will get in touch with you. Okay. Um, Online viewers, I don't want to forget you, but I usually do. So hi, welcome. If you're watching us on www.redeeminglovechurch.org, you can fill out an engage card there. And we would really love it if you would do that because we want to know who you are and, and where you're watching from and things like that. There's a membership course that's going to be on Saturday, uh, July 29th. And it's a two-hour course from 10 to 12. A variety of different people teach it. Um, but if you haven't taken the membership course here or most currently, so if you're a member um, of the church, but you know, you've been a member for 12 years and you took the membership back then, we really would like you to take the membership class again because there have been changes. We have a, a new pastor who's not new to the church, but he's, you know, pretty new to to being the senior pastor here and his lovely wife, Pastor Stacy. So as new pastors take over, sometimes subtle things change and we just want you to take that course so you're aware. 
We're going to pray and dismiss the kids right now. Engage, uh, Engage Kids is over here if you're new to the church. Your children go through that door with these lovely people, and they're going to learn all about God, and their little spirits are going to be filled. So, Lord Jesus, bless our teachers. Bless our kids, Lord God. Fill them with every good thing, Lord Jesus, and cause them to grow up in the house of God, to serve the house of God, and be the next generation of leaders. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Pastor Matt's going to be bringing the next um, the next um, issue, the, the next whatever, the, the very next message in his Face to Face with God series, which has been awesome. So watch the announcements, and then he's going to come on up. church how's everyone doing yeah praise the Lord praise the Lord praise the Lord wow 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 I just want to I want to have a whole message and all that but I just want to speak to the love of God for a minute what an awesome word uh, that the Lord gave Elizabeth and how many times is that us We're we're putting our fingers in the wall and we're plugging the hole of the blessing that's coming out that's supposed to be pouring out all over us. And it's the love of God, it's the presence of God, and God wants to shower us with his love. God loves us more than we can ever know. More than we can ever know. We, we actually can't know the depths of God's love. It's, it's nearly impossible. I don't know that the human mind can actually understand the infinite love of God because we're limited in our finite ability but God is unlimited in his infinity. And although, and God is infinite, but he's not just infinite, he's infinite in all of his ways. So even the very love of God is infinite and it knows no bound. And so we have a difficult time as beings with finite minds that understand context and parameters and, and limits, understanding a God who has no limits. And so there is no limit to God's love. There's absolutely nothing you can do to change God's love. You can't, you can't do anything to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing that you can do to make God love you any less. He loves you beyond all comprehension. He loves you beyond everything. He, his love is greater. His love breaks bonds. His love breaks change. His love breaks down walls. His love goes forth. His love captures me. His love provokes me. His love compels me. His love is the greatest source of energy in the entire universe. His love, his love, his great love You know, before we all got saved, we were, and even, and even still, right, 
We're, we're running from God. We're, we're kicking stones at him. We're spitting in his face. We're, we're yelling at him. We're, we're telling him that he's wrong. We're telling him that he's mean. And he's just pursuing us, and he's just loving us, and he's just chasing us down, just like the song says. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's the, it's the reckless love of God. I heard a message one time, the, um, the promiscuous love of God. He loves where he shouldn't. He loves where he knows it's going to hurt him, but he loves anyways. He loves where he has no reason to love, and yet he loves anyways. He just, he just can't stop loving. He is a lover. God is a lover. And uh, we're, we're running from God. We're, we're running from God. We're, we're, we're just we're, we're saying no. We're kicking stones at him. We're spitting in his face, and he keeps, he keeps pursuing us. He keeps pursuing us. He keeps pursuing us. He keeps pursuing us. And in our running, we trip and fall, and we look up, and we're like, oh, I found God. <laughs> yes, you did, of no credit of your own. While, we're, while, while, we're, while, we were, while we were yet enemies of the cross, God loved us, and he died for us. There's the old, there's the old saying, uh, I didn't come up with it, you know. I asked God how much he loved me, and he stretched out his arms, and he said, this much. It's the cross. I love you enough to die on a cross for you. I took the nails for you. I took every lash for you. I did it all for you. I love you this much. And I do it all over again. And I do it just for you. He'd do it just for one. That's our God. That's the love that God has. And that's only the tip, the very tip. It's only understanding this much of infinity of who God is. Oh, the love of God. Our challenge becomes pulling our fingers out of the wall and letting that water, that love, that presence run over us and touch us and fill us and change our heart because it's the love of God that'll change our heart. And so... You can be in here and you can be any way that you are. And you could be happy with where you're at or not. But the one thing that will change your life is the love of God. The love of God will transform you. The word transform, it's uh, Romans 12 too. The transforming, right? There's a transforming quality of the love of God. And the word transform is the Greek word there is metamorpho. It's from the Greek, it's from the, it's a word where we get metamorphosis from. And it's the, it's the caterpillar that goes into the cocoon and comes out as a butterfly. The DNA of the, the DNA of the caterpillar and the DNA of the butterfly are not the same DNA. It entered as one thing, but it's leaving as something different. Its nature has changed. The caterpillar was confined to gravity and to wherever it could set its feet. The butterfly doesn't know those limits. Come on. There are limits in your life that God is removing right now. 
There's limits in your life that God is removing right now. He's peeling off limitations right now. He's breaking off limitations right now. Limitations are going not because of who you are, but because of who he is. It's him. He has the transforming power and God is transforming. Their limitations are being removed right now. You, you're, you, you, know who I, you know who you are, who I'm talking to. You even have language and you say, I can't. I can't do that. I'm not made to do that. And I'm telling you right now that God says, I'm remaking you to do that. I am remaking you to do that. The love of God transforms us. It metamorphoses us to be able to do that. (sighs) Oh, the love of God. Oh, the love of God. Oh, that we would just... Open up our hearts as we stand there before that wall. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a, I'm a visual person. Anybody else in here visual? Every time someone's talking, I visualize. Uh, you could be talking about bricks, and I'm visualizing it. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. I'm visual. And so just visualize with me. Open the eyes of your mind and open the eyes of your spirit and just see the wall that Elizabeth spoke about. and see the water coming through the cracks and see your fingers in the wall holding back the very love of God, the very thing that's meant to overwhelm you and transform and metamorpho you. And now just see yourself pulling your, hand, your fingers out and opening your hands to receive And just see yourself taking a drink of the water that's pouring out through that stream. And now just see that wall just collapse. Just like a dam. And the rush of the water. And you're caught up. You're caught up in the very love of God. You're being washed away by it. Love of God, overwhelm us today. Love of God, overwhelm us today. Love of God, overwhelm us today. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Love of God, overwhelm us today. Love of God, overwhelm us today. Overwhelm, overwhelm, overwhelm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm going to start speaking, but, you know, maybe you're in that place. Just keep receiving. You don't have to open your eyes. You don't have to put your hands down. You don't even have to listen to what I'm saying if you're being touched. Just keep receiving. Um, hey, we, we have new chairs set up in here. Isn't that fantastic? Love it. Love it. We've actually been wanting to change the chairs for years. Uh, this just gave us a good excuse to do that. Uh, we've been experimenting with different things. And, you know, we're not religious people, so we shouldn't be religious about our chairs either. So... You know what I think? I think that this is a great idea. I think every um, six weeks we have new chair design. 
We need actually, so on your serving, on your serving card, on your engage card, it says sign me up to serve on. We're gonna create a new team that says chair design. And so every six weeks we'll have a new chair design so that none of us become religious about where we sit or, or you know, anything like that. Why, why would you wanna become religious about God? Ah, oh, I just hit a nerve right there. But he's in my seat, Pastor. Listen, I had to sit in a new seat location. Not The chairs change often. I had to sit in a new location today for the first time in probably 20 years. Praise the Lord. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. We should be religious only about our golf game. What is religion? Religion is just an order of doing things. I can have an order of doing things anywhere as I go. I can be very, become very religious about my golf game. If I don't put on my right golf sock before I put on my left golf sock, I'm going to have a, I'm going to be pulling to the right all day. But if I put on my right golf sock before I put on my life, left golf sock, it'll go straight down the fairway. And so I better not screw that up on golf day. That's fine. You can do that. But don't you dare become that way about God. I can only hear God if I sit in the second row, third chair from the middle aisle. There's no more middle aisle. Can't hear God anymore. You're done. <laughs> Washed up. Has been. See you later. You used to be prophetic. <laughs> now you're pathetic. <laughs> I'm joking. Come on. Love you guys. Humor. Humor. But really, let, let's not become religious about God. Huh? Right? There's, um, talk to a lot of people, just, and there's a lot of people that are saying um, they're having trouble hearing from the Lord. And it's, there's no qualification or quantification to the people who are telling me this. From people who have just gotten saved who, you know, tell me they're having trouble hearing from the Lord, people that have been saved 30 years having trouble hearing from the Lord, you know, stay-at-home moms can't, having trouble hearing from the Lord, uh, anything you can imagine, just this weekend, pastors of Church of 700 having trouble hearing from the Lord. And so it's not, I hear, hear me, it's not your age or your, or your uh, years with the Lord or your experience in hearing Him before. There are people just blanket cover, it's not everybody, but there's a lot, having trouble hearing from the Lord. God's, God's mixing up the chairs on these people. God's mixing up the chairs in your life. God's changing things in your life because he's taking all of us, hear me, he's taking all of us into a new season. The old season is passed away and behold, a new season has come. God's doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And if you're not ready, if you don't tune your ear to the way that he's speaking now, you might get lost. You might get not left behind as in like not taken up, but you, you might just miss out on what God's doing next because it's here. It's, it's now. What he's doing next is now. What he's doing next is now. It's now. It's right now. It's already started. And so enter in, enter in, enter in. And, and I want to challenge you, even if you are hearing God, even if you are hearing God and you're hearing him clearly, look for new ways to hear the, hear the Lord. 
Look for new ways to hear the Lord. Maybe he speaks to you through your word. Maybe he speaks to you through worship. Maybe he speaks to you on walks in nature. Maybe he speaks to you, you know, when you pray, when you're on your knees, when you're lying down, when you're ready to go to sleep. Maybe anything. It doesn't matter how God speaks to you. Look for a new avenue to hear the Lord. Look for something fresh. Look for something fresh because you know what my Bible says? Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. You know, the Israelites, they had to go out and they had to pick up manna off of the ground every single day. Every single day they had to pick up new bread. They couldn't pick up two days worth except on Friday so that they could have it for Sabbath. How did that work? So if they kept it, follow this, guys. Sunday they go out and they pick up bread. Monday they go out and they pick up. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Every day they pick up bread and they can only pick up bread for one day. If they pick up bread for two days on any of those days except for Friday, it turns to worms overnight. Turns to worms. I don't, I'll just leave that. But on Friday, when they picked up the bread and then they kept it overnight, it didn't turn to worms. So that they'd have bread on Saturday. But then on Sunday, when they picked up bread, and they kept it overnight, it would turn to worms again. Every day, every day, every day, every day. You know what, I'm beyond every day. It's moment by moment. You know what, what I prayed in my prayer chair this morning when I first got up, it's not enough right now. I need to be in prayer and connected to the Holy Spirit right now because God's doing something in the midst that he actually didn't prepare me for at prayer this morning. And now I need to be hearing him to know what to do right now. What do, God, what do we do right now? He's been, he's been preparing me, but I didn't know it, and now I need to have something new. Jesus said that when you're taken between, before the magistrates and the judges and the, and the this one and the that one, don't worry about what you're saying, for the Holy Spirit will give you what to say in that very moment. I don't know where you're camped, but guys, I'm camped on a moment-by-moment moment God. I'm camped there. I, I don't, actually, I, I've gone, I think I'm pouring a foundation. <laughs> it's not a camp. There's no tent pegs. We've dug up the ground. We've poured the cement in this moment by moment, God. This is where I choose to live. I, I will have it no other way. Do you know that um, from experience, um, Four years of experience moving in healing. Uh, I've seen healings before that, but in mass, beginning in 2019. Do you know that healing works better when you're connected with God? <laughs> I know. I, I know it sounds silly, but it, but some of us think that way, right? But it, it does. Um, I can I can I've, I can tell you stories all day, but I'll tell you this one. We were out um, gathered with some pastor friends and. Um, one lady there, she had a headache, and so they said, hey, listen, let's, let's gather and pray. And um, there was about four or five of us jumped up to pray, and they invited me to pray with them because they had heard some of the testimonies of the healings that we had. And so I get up and I pray. And as is my regular occasion, I'm new to the group, so I'm going to let everybody else pray first, right? I'll go last. That's fine. Uh, take the humble position. I, that's in my mind. I'm not doing it because I, I have to pray last. I'm doing it because... I want to give everyone else preference. And so multiple people pray. 
And I, as I'm standing there and I've got my hand on her head and, and I'm praying, I just hear the Holy Spirit say, neck. That's what I heard, neck. And so when everyone else was done, it was my turn to pray, I put my hand on her neck and I said, I just fear the Holy Spirit saying that uh, the source of the headache is coming from the neck. And as I said the word neck out loud, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said stress and tightness. And so I prayed again along those lines. And so then we all sit down and then um, the lady says, um, who prayed for my neck? And one of the other guys that was in the group, they prayed for the neck too, but it was more of like this, pray for the neck and the head and the front and the back and the up and the neck. It was more shotgun, gonna hit everywhere. And what the Holy Spirit gave me was just one specific. And so I want no credit for myself, but everyone looks, everyone in the group looks at me. And I'm like, listen, it's just the Holy Spirit. This isn't me. I didn't do anything but deliver mail. I'm a mailman. I've got this for you. I've got this for you. Here you go. I can't come any further. Come on. This is for you. I just delivered the mail. That's it. I got it. It, it came into my bag from someone else, and it was for her, so I went and I gave it to her. That's how healing works. That's how prophetic works. This is how most of everything that we do with the Lord works. It's his. He puts it in our mailbag, and we got to figure out who it's for. Or, <laughs> or we see something, we see someone, and we see that you know it's moving this way, and then it's still the same thing. God gave it to me to begin with. It's not me. It's him in me. It's always been that way. This is why, I know this isn't my message, it's okay. <laughs> this is why when Jesus came and he healed blind eyes, he didn't do the same thing every time. Jesus healed blind eyes. He healed four different people of blind eyes. Every single time he did healed the blind eyes, he did it a different way. Why? Because if he did it the same way all four times, we'd think, oh, it's just the system. Like blind eyes get healed like this, deaf ears get healed like that, lame people get healed like this, and I've got a system and I don't need God anymore. But it's really, it's this face-to-face -face intimate encounter with the Lord that allows us to do everything that we're called to do. Everything that we're supposed to be doing in life Everything. Someone say everything. everything. The next breath that you're supposed to take is supposed to be done with the Lord. By the power of the Holy Spirit. It's his breath in me anyways. <laughs> he gave me breath. He decides when I don't get any more. I might as well do it with him. As a matter of fact, it, we don't have to. I mean, he always gives us the option, free will. It's ho so holy to the Lord. My wife and I were having this discussion yesterday. Free will, this choice, human, humanity's ability to choose, it's so holy to the Lord. He won't violate it. Rarely will he violate it. He won't violate it. It's very rare that God over overrides or supersedes someone's own free will. Very rare. It's this intimacy. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do, 
and I only say what I hear the Father say. How do we think we're supposed to be just like him? We're supposed to do the same things. We're only supposed to do the things that we see our Father do. We're only supposed to say the things we hear our Father say. Um, Watchman Nee, his book, um, I can't remember the name of it right now. Uh, in the book, it says, uh, Christians should say nothing lest the Holy Spirit prompts them. That eliminate 90% of all conversation for most of us. That's okay. It's a good starting place. The Spiritual Man, that's the name of the book. Just good, it's good stuff. <laughs> if you want to have more of a conversation, just listen more. There's never a moment in time where I, so I'll give you guys some inside information so that you know that next time I'm talking to you, I'm actually, I'm actually listening to the Holy Spirit at the same time. <laughs> I do this, I, I do this, I don't know that I do this all the time, but I do this almost all the time. It's very rare that I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit while I'm having a conversation. I've actually, I'm, I've kind of almost forgotten how to do it. Not listen to the Holy Spirit. There's times, don't get me wrong. But why? Why would, I, why would I not want the helper and the comforter and the healer and the teacher right here with me every moment, speaking every word? Why would I not? Why would I not? Why would I not? All right. Good stuff. Glory, glory, glory. Let's run through this message quick because it's good. Isaiah 22, 20. We're going to read through verse 22. Then it shall be in that day that I shall call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. That's God's people. The key of the house of David I will lay upon his shoulders. The key of the house of David, I will lay upon his shoulders. So he shall open and no one shall shut, and he shall shut and no one shall open. Sounds familiar, right? Jesus said something like this, right? You will bound on earth and it will be bound in heaven. You will loose on earth and it will be loosed in heaven, right? And so this is, the same, this is a very similar thing. Whatever you open, whatever the key of the house of David, I will lay upon his shoulders. So whatever he, he opens, it'll be open and nobody can shut it. And whatever he decides to shut, it'll be shut and nobody can open it. Keys speak to authority. And so this is about authority. It's about authority. And we, we've talked about authority before, but we're going to talk about it again. And the authority, the authority of the key of David comes through intimacy. It comes through intimacy. It comes through intimacy. David had the, the authority over the entire kingdom. David had the authority over the entire realm. And David, actually, I've talked about this many times. David had so much authority that he could actually, bear with me, break the law and get away with it. You guys know, know the story. If you've been here for a minute, I describe this often, but I'm going to describe it again because too many times I've asked the question and I'm not giving you the answer, but now I have the answer. And I know I've told you once or twice, but you need to hear it again. Well, some people haven't heard the answer and you need to hear the answer. In the temple, the 
Ark of the Covenant sat in the back in the holies of holies, and there was a veil that was in between the holy of holies and the holy place, which was still inside the temple. And then outside the temple was the outer court, okay? But the priest would come into the holy place, you know, as, as needed regularly. But to go behind the veil into the holy of holies, they only did once a year, once a year. And they put bells on the guy's cloak so that he'd keep moving. And as long as the bells were going, they knew he was still alive. They would put a, a string around his, a, a rope around his ankle so that if he dropped dead in the presence of God, they could pull him out so somebody else didn't have to walk into the presence of God where God had just lashed out and killed somebody. Holy. Holy, holy, holy. And so this is, the, this is what we're talking about. The, the, the Ark of the Covenant is behind the veil. And the priests who consecrate themselves only go behind the veil once a year. And that only after they've fully repented. And then they tie a rope around their leg and let, in case they've forgotten to repent of something and the presence of God kills them, drops dead. This is how it's set up. This is how God told Moses, this is the way it's going to go. This is how you do it. David, we read, I talked about this last week. David goes and gets the ark. He brings it to Jerusalem. And he says, hey, we're going to have a new chair. We're going to have a new chair layout. <laughs> There's new chair design. <laughs> wow, that fit better than I thought. <laughs> We're going to do this different, guys. We're going to take the Ark of the Covenant that we would only see once a year, and that only one person, one person would see once a year. We're going to take that Ark of the Covenant. We're going to stick it in the middle of the tent. Someone say middle. And we're going to put worshipers and chairs. We're going to have church in the round. We're going to have chairs all around it and worshipers and people praying. And it's just going to go on continually. And this is what we're going to do. It's a new layout. It's a new format. How did he get away with this? How, that's not according to the law. How did those worshipers not drop dead? How did those uh, priests that came to offer the prayers, how did they not drop dead? How were they able to stand in the midst of the Ark of the Covenant and not drop dead? They couldn't do it for the past thousand years. How is David getting away with it now? How's he getting away with this? The answer is in Acts chapter 2. It says that David was a prophet and he saw forward to a time that was coming which we stand in now, where the presence of God would be with the people. We're here. We're here. We're here. We get to enter in. How, how did David know that he could get away with this? How did he know? He heard God. He heard God. He heard God. He heard God. God told him to do it. David did nothing of his own accord. Read the story. When, when David's in Ziklag, he gets word that Saul and, Saul and his son Jonathan both died. And he's like, okay, he knows it's time. But he refuses. He doesn't just go up because he knows that it's time. He says, Lord, shall I go up? And the Lord said, yeah, go up. That'd be enough for me. I'd be like, okay, here I come. Not David. Not David. Rewind. Not David. Okay, Lord, where shall I go up? Go up to Hebron. Okay. 
That doesn't sound like the whole kingdom. And it wasn't. And so he went to Hebron. And it was another seven years. You know, I, we, we, I can't make enough of a point here. I can't make enough of a point here. David's anointed as king as a teenager, 13, 14, maybe years old. Some say older, some say younger, whatever, it doesn't matter. He waits 13 years. Actually, he runs for his life for as many as years. Runs for his life. He's hunted. There's 2,000 paid mercenaries trying to hunt him down. He's running for his life. And then the king that's in place finally dies. And he's like, he knows. He's like, okay, it's my time. But he refuses to go and take the throne. He says, Lord, shall I go up? He wouldn't do it aside from God saying, Lord, shall I go up? Yeah, go up. Where shall I go up to, Lord? Go to Hebron. So now he's been waiting possibly 14 or more years. And he only takes a small amount. And he'd wait another seven years. How many of you got a prophetic word that hasn't come to true yet? Right? How many of you had a prophetic word and it's not, it's not come to pass yet? Oh, it's never going to happen. Have you waited 20 years for it to come to pass? Have you been hunted for your life while you're waiting for it to come to pass? <laughs> no, nobody, nobody, nobody falls under that. We get a prophetic word. We think it's going to happen immediately. I got a prophetic word a year or two after I got saved that I would be in full-time ministry. I'd wait, I don't how long? 25 years for that word to come to pass before I was actually in full-time ministry. Did that mean that, that God wasn't in it? Did that mean that it would never happen? No, it just means that it wasn't time yet. If God gives a prophetic word, the question becomes, when, Lord? And then the, the next immediate question is, okay, what can I do to prepare myself for that thing that you've given me to do? A lot of times if a prophetic word comes, it's to, be, it's to give you the strength and the grace to go and prepare for what God's called you to do. He spoke to me 25 years before I entered into full-time ministry that I'd be in full-time ministry. And so what did I do? I mean, I was doing it anyways because I felt the call before the prophetic word came to confirm, which was already in my heart. But what did I do? I started memorizing the word. And so for 25 years before I ever got paid to do this, I'm memorizing the word and I'm just putting this thing right down in here so that it's just coming out of me. So that when it's my time to go, I don't have to be like, oh, let me, okay, it's, the gun just goes off, go. Like you're supposed to run, oh, let me tie my shoe. The gun goes off and I'm like, Yeah. The key of the house of David, I will lay upon his shoulders. This is a key of authority that only comes through intimacy. It only comes through intimacy. It only comes through face-to-face -face encounters with the Lord. It only comes through spending time in his presence. Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He finds this guy with his son who's demon-possessed, and he's got this issue. And the disciples have tried to heal him, and they can't. And so the, the man says to Jesus, if you can do anything at all, please help my son. So Jesus casts the demon out, and he heals the boy. And the disciples take him aside later and say, why were we not able to cast him out? 
Jesus says, because of your lack of faith, this kind, uh, because of your lack of faith, if you had faith as of a mustard seed, you'd say to the mountain, go and be cast into the sea, and it would go and do that. It would obey you. And then he adds this. He says, but this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. And so if go back and reread the text. Jesus, when he meets the man and sees the boy, he doesn't call a prayer meeting together. He doesn't pray. He doesn't start fasting. Hey, we got to go on a 21-day water-only fast for this boy. We can do that. I'm not saying that it's wrong. I'm just letting you know what Jesus was saying in the scripture here. We can do those things. We can fast for people for healing. I've done it. We've seen results. I, I wouldn't say that you shouldn't do it. It's great to do. But what I'm saying is that Jesus is saying this kind only comes out by, through prayer and fasting. It's prayer and fasting that Jesus had already done that prepared him for the moment that he was in right now. He had already prayed and fasted and drawn close to the Father, so in that moment, he knew what to do. Yeah. Scripture tells us that Jesus, it says, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray all night in prayer, as was his regular custom. All night in prayer? Anyone? All night? If we want to do the things that we want, if we want... <laughs> If we want to do the works that Jesus did, we have to live the life that Jesus lived. All right, let's keep moving. Then it shall be in that day that I will call... I'm backing up to, to just visit the first verse here. Then in that, it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe. So I want to just lay out these, these names here are not by coincidence. Eliakim means God raises up or God sets up. So God's going to choose and put this person in place. God chooses. God sets up. God, God decides. And Hilkiah means my portion is Jehovah. So it's, it's a man that God's going to raise up whose father knew that Jehovah was the portion. Jehovah was the gyro. Jehovah was his provider. Revelation 3, 7, we read the same wording. And to the angel in the church of Philadelphia, these things say he who is holy and true holy and true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and shuts, he who opens and no one shuts, and who shuts and no one opens. It's talking about Jesus. Same wording. Matthew 16, Jesus said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven pretty audacious. It's pretty amazing that God's giving us this authority. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous that he would choose me. Who am I that I can do that? Matthew 18, Jesus repeats the sentiment. He says, Assuredly, I say to you that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He promises us these things. But the, some, of, some of these promises, they only come through relationship. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. The Bible says it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God, Father God, if you need the description, wants to 
eagerly desires and gets pleasure from giving you the kingdom. Can you imagine? God gets pleasure from giving you the kingdom. <laughs> John 14, 12 through 14. Most assuredly, I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I go to the Father... And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What? The works that Jesus did, he invited us to do. Jesus did everything that he did on the earth as a man, as a human man, walking in complete and total submission and communication with God, the Father. And so because Jesus did those things as a man, I'm invited into the process to do the same things. I mean, and, and then he said it as well. If he did them, they're still amazing. If, if he did them as God, right? Because God is fully man, fully, Jesus is fully man, fully God. But what he did was he took his divinity and he didn't use it his entire life. And so Jesus, because he did everything as a man, we're invited into the process to do the same things. These works that I have done, you can do too. And greater works than these will you do. I, I'm just looking at, I, I don't know, I mean, I, I'm happy now, but... <laughs> I would just be happy to see the same works that Jesus did. And, you know, some of the ones that the apostles did would be fun, too. I want to be translocated like Philip. That'd be fun. <laughs> He's ministering to the Ethiopian, right, in the chariot in Acts uh, 7, I think. Or maybe it's earlier or later. I, I don't know the exact chapter. He's ministering to the Ethiopian in the chariot, right? He baptizes him, and then it says he was taken up from there and wasn't found anymore. Right? He was found in another city. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, that'd be fun, right? I mean, that'd just be fun. I don't know. Jesus, when he comes in John chapter 21, he comes to them. They're locked. It says they're, they're locked in the room. They've got all the doors locked for fear of the Jews. And he comes walking through the wall. I, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. I, I'd like to do that. Jesus. Uh, I'm, I don't have to do any of these things. I, it just, uh, he said we can do them. Let's give it a shot. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. It says that when Jesus, <laughs> I'd go on here all day, guys. It says that when Jesus sat at the table, it says he knew their thoughts. He's having conversations with multiple different people. This is not just one time occurrence. It says he knew their thoughts. Sign me up. We're going to go to, we're going to go to Thanksgiving dinner this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, I see. I didn't say anything. I know you didn't, but you thought it. <laughs> it says, uh, it says, when, when, uh, when the guy wanted to pay Elijah for the healing, and Elijah says, no, no, right? The servant goes out and takes the money 
And then the servant comes back, and Elijah says, where were you? And so uh, I forget whether he tells him or whether he hides it, but Elijah says, did you, Elijah says this, watch this. Did you not know that my spirit went with you? What does that mean? What does that even mean? I mean, Elisha knew what had gone on. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't even have a context. I'm still building that. But it found it, so we got we to gotta search that out. <laughs> All of this was just given as an invitation to come to know him more. Yeah. We have to understand... Ah, we have to understand that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. I'm going to say that again. We have to understand that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. We're spirit beings having a fleshly experience. Romans 6 says, are you sowing to the spirit or are you sowing to the flesh? You're doing one or the other all the time. Are you feeding your flesh right now or are you feeding your spirit right now? I hope you're feeding your spirit because we're talking about spiritual things. I'm going to feed my flesh here for a second. That's an awesome segue to get a drink of water. I've never caught that before. It's for, we're, I'm learning so much today. It's an invitation to encounter. Come and know me. Come and find out what I'm like. The works that I do, you will also do. And greater works than these will you do. Greater works. I'd, I'd, I'll be completely, totally, 100% honest with you. I'd be happy just to do what Jesus did. But, but, he promised me more. And so who am I that I would say I don't want the more? I'm, I'm somehow I'm dishonoring God if I don't go after the more. It's not a, it's it's not enough for me to even just go after healings, miracles, signs, and wonders. I've actually got to go after more. I don't even know what that looks like. I got to figure it out. But God said, and more. I'm here for the more. It's crazy. But it's true. John 16, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until you have asked for nothing in my name, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Sometimes we suffer lack because of prayerlessness. Sometimes we suffer lack because of prayerlessness. Sometimes we, we don't have what we need because we haven't asked God. We haven't come to him in prayer. We suffer and we don't have what we need because we haven't asked God. Ask and you will receive. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. What does it mean to ask something in the name of Jesus? It doesn't mean that you know we, we say our prayer and then just tag Jesus on the, name, on the end of it. Give me a Ferrari in Jesus' name. No, it's to pray with the nature of Jesus. Would Jesus have asked for that Ferrari? Probably not. It's a little too flashy for him. Trust me, he, he, he lived 
a life, he, he lived a good life on the earth. The, 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 cloth, uh, the, the, the garment that he had on when he was crucified, it was a very expensive garment. So much so that the, the soldiers refused to tear that one and rip it up. They wanted it to go in one piece because it was very expensive. It was very expensive. So we could say that Jesus was poor all we want, except that he wore clothing that was, some would say, very expensive. Most assuredly, I say to you that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Ask, and you will receive. See, we have to understand the context of who he's talking to. He's talking to his apostles. And just before this, in, in John chapter 15, he says, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. I've, a, a servant doesn't know his master's business, but I have told you everything that the Father has revealed to me. I've spoken to you every single thing that the Father has given me to say. I've told it to you. And so again, it's this intimate relationship. When we come into this intimate relationship with God, we'll ask what we want and we'll have it again and again and again and again. I realized that I need to start asking for more. I need to start asking for more. I've got a prayer list, and it's in my phone. It's a digital, it's a digital note. And I put down about uh, 25 things on my list, and I started praying for those things. Now, I don't read the list every day. You can do that. That's fine. I'm just telling you the way I do it. I don't read the list every day. I'm lucky I read it once a week. But I know those things are there, and I constantly pray for them. And so I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I forget to look at my list for a couple months. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, hey. You know, I started that prayer list. Let's see how we're doing. And so I pull out my prayer list, and it's 15 or 17 of the 20 things are all answered. And I'm like, I guess I got to put a few more things on my list. I guess I got to put a few more things on my list. If, I, if I'm not staying current, and, I'm, and if I'm not asking, I'm not going to receive. What do I want? What do you want? Get into this relationship. Get into this intimacy. Start to ask God. Make your own prayer list. I've never, 25 years of being saved, I never had a prayer list. And then I realized there's power here because I see the answers to my prayers. When I picked up that list and I said, God gave me 15 of the 20 things, 17 of the 20 things that I was asking for, I was blown away. Listen, I know God loves me. But when I realized that he's answering all my prayers, I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I been doing with my life? <laughs> I need to add to this. We need to go further. James 4. James is going to be pretty much our last scripture, but it's long, so we'll just go quick. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? that war in your members. You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. I'll say on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. 
Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives grace, he, but he gives more grace. Therefore, God, it says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we know we should never be proud, but we should be humble. Humble ourselves. Ask of God. Therefore, submit to God. Faith comes through surrender. Faith doesn't come through trying harder. Faith doesn't come through reading more. Faith com- I mean, You should read more. Hearing com- faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of God. But faith comes through surrender. We have to tie that together with our reading. Resist the devil. There's part of, there, there's something that we have to do here, guys. We actually have to resist the devil. We have to stand in opposition to what the devil wants in our life. Sometimes, sometimes God will just supernaturally deliver you from the desire to sin. But sometimes we actually have to resist and say, no, I won't sin. Sometimes we have to resist and tell the devil, devil, you're a liar. And I don't need that in my life. We need to resist the devil. You get healing, right? We've seen lots of healings here. You get a healing and you go home and that that pain starts to return. You tell the devil he's a liar. No, you're a liar. I've been healed. Jesus healed me. Thank you, Jesus, for my healing. And you begin to thank God for your healing. And you stay there. Sometimes we need to resist the devil. And when we resist... He will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. If you make the decision to draw near to God, he will always draw near to you. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you right now. He's waiting on you in five minutes. He's waiting on you in an hour. He's waiting on you in an hour and five minutes. He's waiting on you tomorrow. At this time, at this time, at five minutes plus, at tomorrow, still waiting on you. He's still waiting on you. Every single moment of every single day of your life, God is waiting on you to draw away with him. There's never a moment of time where he won't be there. There may be moments of time where you may not hear him as loudly, but it doesn't mean he's not there. What do you do when God's silent? You just do what you know to do. I don't need step-by-step instructions to know how to walk through this life. I live as righteously as righteously as I can according to the word. When I'm not when I'm not hearing when I'm not hearing God, I fall back on the principles and the commandments that he's already given me. I go back and I do the last thing that he's told me to do. Evaluate, see if there's something that God told me to do that I haven't done yet. And try to do that thing. If if I have done that thing and I'm still not doing hearing them, then I'll go back and do the first things. Right? Revelation chapter four. Go back and do the, the things that you did at first. I have regularly, when I've felt lost, when I felt like I couldn't hear God, I've regularly gone and put on the worship music that I first got saved to. <laughs> or or not necessarily first got saved, but the first ones that really drew me closely into a deep presence relationship with God those and then I'll do new things because sometimes although the old things are good the old things are old and God does something new and so I won't hesitate to put on new worship music I won't hesitate to go to a new prayer place I won't hesitate to do something that I haven't done before in seeking the Lord 
Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I love James. He's so nice. <laughs> He's very direct. You know the proverbial bush that we, we all dance around? James is just like, we're going to mow that down so that you know, there's no more bush to dance around. We're just going to get right to the point. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. James is so good. Read it. Read it twice. Luke 10, 17 through 20. We're going to end with this verse. This is the last one I got. Then the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. This is so cool. They're like, Jesus, this is so cool. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. We know that it was amazing because when the 12 went out and came back, John and James wanted to call down fire from heaven. I, I, that's one I haven't tried yet. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus says, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I'll try that one. God would have to speak to me verbally, audibly for me to try and call fire down from heaven because that's not, that's not the way he moves anymore. Who, who's the greatest, God? We want to sit on your right hand and on your left in the kingdom, God. Jesus, we saw people. This, this is what the disciples are saying after their first ministry trip. So we know that what they said was amazing. What they did and saw was amazing. What was the other one? It doesn't matter. And Jesus turns around. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Why are demons subject to us? Because we have all authority. God's given us all authority. All authority over the heavens and over the earth. All authority is mine. And so I want to throw a word of caution in here is that if you've never done a deliverance ministry before, don't go out delivering without training. All right? Because demons are powerful and you need to know and use your authority properly. You need to be clean and spiritually mature. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying use, use a lot of caution. I don't want anybody getting in trouble with demons. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name, and they are. And Jesus saw, said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That's a picture. Imagine what that must have looked like. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy. And nothing, someone say nothing, nothing. shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you. That's great. That's great. Miracle signs and wonders, that's great. You know, uh, the works that Jesus did in greater works, that's great. Yep, that's great. That's fine. Psst, don't rejoice in that. Don't rejoice in that. That's not why you're here. That's not why you're here. I mean, yeah, do that while you're here, but that's not why you're here. Rejoice in the fact that your name is written in heaven. <laughs> Rejoice in the fact that you know Jesus. Rejoice in the fact that you know the everlasting God. Rejoice in the fact that right relationship has been restored with the Father. Rejoice in the fact that you get to walk with God in the cool of the day. 
Rejoice in the fact that there's a special relationship that you get to have with Jesus. This is the reason for your rejoicing. Don't rejoice over healings. I mean, yeah, they're great. Don't rejoice over the, the demons. Don't rejoice over the miracle signs and wonders. Those are fun. And I'll talk about them until the cows come home, until I'm blue in the face, because it gives God glory. But I rejoice in the fact that I have a relationship with Jesus. I, have a re I rejoice in the fact that I have a deep, intimate relationship with the Creator God, with Creator God, with Elohim, with, with the one who created it all. Yeah. He has chosen to have a relationship with me. He wants to spend time with me. Yeah. Can you imagine? God takes Abram, calls him out, changes his name. Your name's Abraham. He takes him, he's out in his tent, and he says, Abraham, go out. Step out of your tent. Look up at the stars of the sky. You see those stars of the sky? Your descendants will be no more numerous than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. That's, that's who your people are going to be. Your people are going to be so numerous, it's going to outnumber the stars in the sky. That's, that's your future, Abraham. And if that weren't enough, I'm giving you this, this piece of land. It's the size of New Jersey. sits on the Mediterranean Sea. I'm giving you that. And I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you favor. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Abraham, I'm going to do this and this and this and this. But all of that is trash compared to your exceedingly great reward. He says, Abraham, he says, Abraham, I... God says, I am your exceedingly great reward. All of those other things are rewards. They're fine. But God is my exceedingly great reward. Is God your exceedingly great reward? Is he the one thing? Is he the one thing in your life? David said, one thing have I desired, that will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. He's talking about the presence of God. So the one thing that I want, the one thing that I will pay any price for, it's to be in the presence of God. When David sinned with Bathsheba, he said, God, please, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. God, please, please, please don't take your presence from me. God, please, please, please. I don't care about the kingdom. I don't care about the money. I don't care about the this. I don't care about the that. I just need your presence. I can't go. Moses said, I won't go. We won't go without your presence. I'll just stay here where there's nothing rather than go where there's a multitude of whatever I need without your presence. The presence of God is far too valuable. It's far too valuable. It's far too valuable. I will not, I will not, I will not have it any other way. I will not have it any other way. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that you would just give us a hunger to know you, God a hunger to steal away in the secret place in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would cause us to hear afresh and anew. If, if, you, if that identified with you, if you're one of those people that I mentioned earlier who um, you're having trouble hearing the Lord, um, stand to your feet. Lord, teach us to hear you fresh. Teach us to hear you fresh. Teach us to hear you new. God, we want to hear your voice. We want to fellowship with you in the quiet place, in the secret place. We want to hear you moment by moment. 
We want to hear you day by day. We want to hear you because you are our exceedingly great reward. God, we surrender to you this morning, and we say, Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I want to invite you to do that today. Um, having a relationship with Jesus like I've been talking about, it's for anybody that wants it. The reason why we can't have a relationship is because of the sin that's in our life. And so Jesus came and Jesus died on the cross as payment for your sin and for mine. And so when we repent of our sin, when we repent of our sin, Jesus comes, he forgives us of our sin, and he restores right relationship with God. When he restores right relationship with God, he also um, causes us to be able to go to heaven when we die. He heals our sicknesses, and he delivers us from oppression. And so that's what it, that's what it means. These are some of the benefits of knowing Jesus. And so if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come inside your heart, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never made the decision to follow him, I want to invite you to do that today. And so I'm going to pray a short prayer, and I'm going to ask you to pray that with me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I ask that you would forgive me of my sin, come and live inside my heart, help me to live for you all the days of my life. God, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you came to earth, you lived a sinless life, you suffered, died, and were buried. On the third day, you rose again, and you've restored right relationship with the Father to me. I ask that you would um, save me from my sins so I can go to heaven, that you would heal my sicknesses, and that you would deliver me from oppression. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, I'm going to ask you to check on your Engage card. Today, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If you check that box, I'm going to mail you some information that explains what it means, what that decision means, and what your next steps are. Your next step is to find a great church. If you like it here, we'd love to have you here. If you don't uh, care for this church, we can recommend another. Elizabeth, come receive the offering this morning. Thank you guys so much, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Thank you, Pastor Matt. There are multiple ways to give here at Redeeming Love. There's a card in the chair backs in front of you. Um, and then there's a slide on the screen, I believe, that's going to explain the different ways. Um, if you have questions or you're unsure, please feel free to ask one of the ushers or um, someone later that can help and guide you through that. Um, I was thinking that, you know, when um, Jesus was on the mountain and there were 5,000 people and the disciples said, you know, we, we don't know how to feed them. Like, we, do you really want us to go into town? And Jesus said, well, what do you have? And there was some fish and there were some loaves that what Jesus did was he blessed the fish and he blessed the loaves and then they were able to give it out, right? So I just want to encourage you. I know tithing and offering, it can become very rote. We write out the check, we put it in the envelope, we click our thing online and it gets sent. And um, I have to be honest, I'm super convicted because after this, I'm going to say to my husband, what do, what do we, I know how we give. What are we giving every week? Because every once in a while we check in with each other. You know, we have a plan, but I've kind of forgotten. And so that tells me I'm not even praying for that offering that my husband and I are putting in. 
And so I really want to encourage you, no matter what you put in, if it's a penny, a dollar, a hundred dollars, however you do it, write a check, it's cash, it's on the, the online thing, please don't become rote like me. Please don't. Pray over that. It is your fish and your loaves that are being given. And if Jesus took time out to pray for that offering and multiply it to the crowds, we at the very least can take what we're giving and we can pray over it. We pray over it here as a whole, but I need to pray over what Fred and I are giving. I need to pray over it and I need to ask Jesus to bless it to this church and to multiply it so we can do what God intends for that tithe and offering to do, right? So Lord Jesus, we, I repent, Lord God, and I say bless what Fred and I give, and Lord, bless what these people here at Redeeming Love give, Lord. Multiply it to do your work and to feed your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, our prayer and healing teams are going to be available underneath the screen. So if you have any needs whatsoever, please come up and get prayer. And we will see you next week. Hopefully it will be a dry one.